0: Today, uh, I do want to let you know the program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners, and I want to welcome James as our latest Patreon supporter at the detective sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support. You can support the show on a recurring basis at patreon.greatdetectives.net or just uh, by sending on a one-time donation, support.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Not Beat. The original air date is uh, September the 4th, 1950, and this one is Old Home Week. <laughs>
1: Randy Stone, I cover the Night Beat for the Chicago Star. Stories start in many different ways. This one began with a girl fighting for her life in the rapids of a rushing stream, and ended in the quiet depths of a poisoned cup.
2: Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone.
1: A guy in my business has to take his vacation whenever he can get it. And the best I could get was a string of short weekends at a little resort town called Paradise Lake. It's only a few hours' drive from Chicago with lots of woods and streams. It's a lovely spot located just outside my income. It was after one of these weekend, if you'll pardon the expression, vacations... I was heading for Chicago in time to get back on the job that night. I checked out of my rented cabin and had just crossed the bridge over Rocky Creek when suddenly I saw her. I jammed on the brakes. The girl lay on the edge of the road unconscious, my front wheels almost touching her. Hey, you, what's the matter? I got out of the car and ran over to her. The late afternoon sun gleamed on her wet, disheveled hair, and she was soaking wet. I could see tracks where she climbed up from the rapids below to the edge of the road. I chafed her wrists and slapped her hands a little. Hey, wake up. Can you hear me? What happened? Come on, baby. Snap out of it. That's the girl. You look like you've been half drowned, beautiful. Well, she's still out. Well, better get you into my chariot before you catch pneumonia. Some other car finishes you off.
3: Up we go.
1: Hmm. Funny how silk clings when it's wet. I went back to my cabin, I got her inside and put her on the sofa. Then I started the fire in the fireplace and got the oil stove going in the kitchen. Eagle Scout Stone was doing his good deed for the day. I'd be late for the office tonight, but she looked as though it might be worth it. I came out of the kitchen and saw that she was sitting up, her big gray eyes wide and a little dazed.
4: Who are you? Where am I?
1: Her name is Randy Stone. Drink this. What? Go on, go on. St. Bernard would have brandy, but on my salary, I'll have to settle for this. <laughs> Drink it down.
4: How did I get here?
1: We'll exchange questions later. All right, now, down the hatch.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the girl.
4: I'm soaked.
1: Better pull this blanket around you. There.
4: I'll be warm in a minute. Well,
1: you're shivering. You better wrap it a little tighter.
4: You. You can let go. Oh.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. I'll. Uh, I'll put some more wood in the fire. What's your name? Pat Torrance. What did you do? Slip and fall into the creek? Fall. Now don't tell me you were in swimming, or is that a new style in French bathing suits?
4: Oh. No, I didn't fall.
1: All right, easy now, easy now. Now, what happened?
4: I was pushed.
1: You were what? She pushed
4: me. She tried to kill me.
1: The girl got up, one hand at her throat, her eyes wide with frightened memory. The blanket fell away from her shoulders, revealing a lovely outline all the way down.
4: I remember. I was standing on that high bank overlooking the rapids.
1: Yeah? Well, who did it? Who was she?
4: I... I'd better go. Thanks, for. Whoa, whoa,
1: help. no, wait a minute, whoa, now. Take it easy. Get warm for us, you'll get sick. I
4: really must go. Francine's probably worrying about what's happened to me. I've got to get back. Francine? Francine Moore. We have a cabin on the lake.
1: Oh, I must have been blind to have missed you all the time I've been here.
4: We just got in today.
1: Oh, I see. Well, whoever pushed you in certainly didn't lose any time, did she?
4: I'd rather not talk about it.
1: Maybe i better drive over to your cabin and get your girlfriend to bring over some dry clothes and then round up a cop on the way back. Oh,
4: no. No, please. Not the police.
1: What's everybody got against the police? Why not?
4: Not right now, anyway. I, I want to talk to Uncle Ben first. Her father.
1: Uncle Ben?
4: Well, he's really not my uncle. I mean, well, he raised me when I was a kid. I owe him an awful lot.
1: A uh, Ben who?
4: Mason. He runs the hotel here, Paradise Inn.
1: Wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean Ben Mason's daughter, Margaret? Why would she want to kill you?
4: Because she hates me. Oh, I shouldn't have listened to Francine. She said I might get a chance to rest, to straighten things out in my own mind. Then when we get here, I find Marge already on the scene.
1: Yeah, but Pat, what makes you think it was Marge who pushed
4: you? Oh, it was her, all right. She's broken up my marriage, stolen my husband, and now... Now she's tried to kill me.
1: Well, beautiful, all I can say is that any man who'd pass you up for Marge Mason is the kind of a guy who'd marry Hetty Lamar for her money. Just what did happen?
4: Well, I'd been walking along the creek. Mm-hmm. Francine was busy getting the cabin fixed up, and I was going to the store. When I got to the little footbridge, I suddenly saw Marge standing there. I had no idea she'd be here at Paradise.
5: Dad, darling. Dad said you were here, but it didn't seem possible. You and Francine together. (laughs) Ed's old girlfriend sharing cabin with you. Francine Moore was never, as you put it, my husband's old girlfriend, and you know it. Really, dear? Hasn't Francine ever mentioned it? Well, no matter. There comes a period in every man's life, but she was just a comma in his. Why, you unscrupulous... How naive can you get... Ed's played the field all his life, and he always will. You never really understood him. I
4: thought I understood you. I looked on you as if you were my own sister. I trusted you. That's what
5: Grace used to say about you. Grace? Yes, dear, Grace Rainey. Another member of Ed's harem. She's here at Paradise Lake, too, you know.
4: Grace Rainey? What do you mean? Oh, Dad. Why is she...
5: Gave her a job as a hostess at the inn. The same big blonde cow... But you know Ed. He always did suffer from high blonde pressure. Ed was never interested in Grace. Wasn't he? Don't play innocent with me, darling. It's really jolly, you, Grace, Francine, and I, together once again in the old hometown. Old home week. All we need is Ed on the scene. And I shouldn't be surprised if he weren't on his way. What?
4: You mean he's coming here?
5: Come now, pet. How corny can you get? Cut the act. You must have known he was planning to spend a few days here. Why else did you come? To get away from him, from everything that reminded me of him. Oh, please. Why don't you do the decent thing? Call it quits. Give him his divorce. Why? So you can profit by what you've done to me? I've tried to be patient with you. I've gone a long ways to try to reason Keep right
4: on going. Don't ever let me see you again. All
5: right, Pat, if that's the way you want it. But if you insist on clinging to him like a spider just to spite me... You've only yourself to blame if anything happens. What do you mean? Is that a threat? Take it any way you wish. Any way you wish.
1: And Mars just walked away and left you there? Yes. Then how could she have pushed you?
4: I, I don't know. She must have come back. There was no one else around.
1: She had the motive, I suppose, but oh, it's still... it's like
4: I a bad dream. To think Marge could do a thing like that. We used to be so close. We were even brought up together when we were kids.
1: All right, no, all right. Everything will be all right. Use my shoulder if you want. You want a handkerchief?
4: Thanks. What did you say your name was?
1: Randy Stone.
4: Oh, you've been very sweet, Randy. I must be a sight to behold.
1: Well, on the contrary, you're a sight to be held.
4: Oh. Oh, I'll bet.
1: Well, that's a lousy pun, I know. Anyway,
4: this fire's nice and pleasant.
1: Yeah, yeah. Say, maybe I better fix up something to keep you from catching cold. Oh, I'll
4: be all right. No, no, no.
1: I got some stuff left in the kitchen and then this bottle. I'll fix your hot toddy. Oh, don't
4: bother, Randy.
1: It's no bother at all. After you drink this, I'll drive over to your cabin and get your friend, Francine. All right. Uh, where is your cabin?
4: Just past the inn across
1: the road. hmm. Uh-huh. I'll have this ready in just a few seconds. Well. So we had some hot toddy together. I hadn't had all the ingredients, maybe, but at least the essentials were in it, and it wasn't too bad. I got her to tell me something about herself. Her struggles, her dreams, her telephone number. Suddenly I realized how late it was getting.
4: Late? Oh, golly, it is at that. Francine will be frantic.
1: Yeah, not to mention my boss when I get back to Chicago tonight. Your boss? Yeah, the night editor.
4: You mean you're a reporter?
1: Any objections?
4: Yes, you'll put this in the paper. Oh, why not? Oh, you mustn't. It'll hurt Uncle Ben. If he finds out what's happened between Marge and me, he'd be terribly upset.
1: Yeah? Well, now, look, dollface. You just watch your step and make sure you don't get any free publicity yourself in the obituary column. That'd really upset dear old Uncle Ben. Now, you sit right here until I get back. If Marge or whoever it was who pushed you in catches you alone, there's no telling what might happen. (laughs) I guess I just never could understand the feminine psychology. Bunch of dames trying to bump each other off over a guy who was never any good to begin with. <laughs> Give me a nice clean masculine murder any time. At least it makes some sense. I drove back toward the inn, following the road along the course of the stream. And then suddenly ahead of me, I saw a couple of flares burning in a car parked across the road, with its headlights focusing on the rushing stream below. I pulled up. A big white sheriff's star was painted on the car's side. Some men were working along the edge of the stream, and a small crowd was watching. I got out, walked down the bank toward the edge of the creek. There were two girls standing at the edge of the crowd. One was a tall blonde who was crying softly, and the other was Marge Mason. Hiya, Marge. Oh,
5: Randy Stone. What's going on? They're dragging the creek.
1: Dragging the what for?
5: They... They're trying to recover the body.
1: The body? (laughs) Whose body?
5: A friend of ours. A girl named Pat Torrance.
1: I see. Now, what happened?
5: Grace says she jumped
1: in.
6: Yes. Yes, I saw her.
1: Oh, you did? When was this?
6: Just a short time ago. I was on my way back to the inn from the store, and I heard her cry out. For a moment, I could see her face through the trees as she fell in. It was pen. Randy. This is Grace Rainey. She
5: acts.
1: Uh yeah, I uh, I noticed.
5: Randy Stone, a reporter from Chicago,
6: Gracie. Oh? A reporter?
1: Couldn't she get help? Wasn't there anyone else around?
6: No. It was so dark. I didn't see anyone. And she couldn't swim. I knew she couldn't swim. She couldn't swim. Grace can't either.
1: Well, she can't act either. Uh, What makes you think she jumped?
6: jump? This wasn't the first time she'd tried to commit suicide. That's
5: right.
1: How do you know that, Marge?
5: Why, her husband told me, Ed. Just a week ago, he tried to persuade her to go to a sanitarium and take treatment.
1: When did he tell you that?
5: Why, just
6: this afternoon.
1: This afternoon?
6: Well, I was talking to him on the phone. I ran in and told her what had happened. It was awful.
1: You mean talking to him long distance to Chicago?
6: Why, well, no, Mr. Stone. Ed Torrance got here this morning. He's right here in Paradise
3: Lake.
2: NBC is bringing you Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. Bloom becomes a thing of the past on Tuesday, September 19th, over most of these NBC stations when genial Art Linkletter returns to prove once again that people are funny. Check your blues at the door because there's no room for them in the merriment when the fortunate prize-winning contestants go through a wide variety of mad antics on People Are Funny. That date? September 19th. And it's important for another reason. It's the day that Fibber, McGee, and Molly and their delightful guests at 79 Wistful Vista will be back where the chimes are, NBC. <laughs>
1: Now back to Nightbeat and Randy Stone. Well, the police started dredging the creek at Paradise Lake for the body of Pat Torrance after her friend, Grace Rainey, said she'd seen a jump in. We stood around watching them search for the body, Grace, and another of Pat's one-time gal friends, Marge Mason. So many girls involved in this mix-up, I was beginning to feel like a lone male at a ladies' seminary tea. I wondered if I should tell the gals that at this very moment Pat was sitting in my cabin alive and kicking. Poor Marge kept she talking as we watched them drag the stream.
5: Complex. Ed said she even thought drivers were trying to run her down in the streets.
1: Why isn't Pat's husband here? Ed knows what's happened, doesn't he?
5: Yes, Marge
1: told him on the phone.
6: I, I don't know why he isn't.
1: Uh, uh, say, uh, which one of those officers is the sheriff?
6: You'll probably find the sheriff in their car up there, Mr. Stone, with the white star on the door, see?
1: Oh, yes, yes. Thank you, Grace. Oh! <laughs> Promise or no promise, I figured it was time to bring the lawyer in on Pat's story that Marge or someone had tried to murder her. There was a solitary figure sitting in the sheriff's car, a heavy-set old dame built like a battleship and a voice to match.
7: Yeah, what is it?
1: I'm looking for the sheriff. Have you seen... I'm the sheriff. You?
7: Pick up your chin, mister. What do you want?
1: Well, I, I beg your pardon. Yeah, I did... yeah, I
7: know. Well, I'm not the only woman sheriff in the world, Buster. There have been others. You're a stranger here, I take it. Well,
1: yes, yes. My name is Stone from the Chicago Star at...
7: Chicago Star, eh? Yeah. By thunder, every time you turn up a wet rock, you find a Chicago Star reporter underneath. Mm, I
1: don't understand oh, what you, you mean. Oh, you know,
7: not eh? Now, look, Bob. I don't know how you got here so quick or why you think a suicide in this county is important enough for the high and mighty Chicago Star to send a reporter
1: Well, out. it's passing But I don't that.
7: care, see? See? And what's more, as far as I'm concerned, you can ski-daddle right back to Chicago. Oh,
1: uh, yes, sir.
7: What's that?
1: I'm sorry. I'm just confused. Uh, you I, get
7: yeah. no cooperation from my office, you understand? Well, frankly,
1: no. I, I just...
7: haven't forgotten those stories your paper printed about me during my campaign for office. Well... So I was a joke, eh? Ha! I didn't have a chance, did I?
1: Well, now, look, I'm sorry, but I personally didn't have a thing oh, to go do... go back with...
7: and tell those morons who run your paper that Dolly Maynard was elected, in case they haven't found out yet. Well, maybe it's I caught up the I'm a their America. machine politician, and as long as I'm an office, none of their hacked reporters will get a single story out of me. Yeah,
3: well, I did
1: uh, (laughs) What kind of a hen house had I gotten into here? Dames. (laughs) Well, I left her there sputtering, her fuse still burning. If the sheriff of Paradise Lake indicated the local level of sanity, maybe it was just as well I kept my mouth shut as Pat had asked me to. So I drove on past Paradise Inn to Pat's cabin across the road. Light inside shone through the drawn blinds. Pat's roommate Francine was apparently still there. I got out, walked across the road, and up the short gravel path to the cabin door. I could hear voices as I approached.
4: Oh, how awful, how utterly awful. I know, Francine.
6: Hard for me to believe myself.
1: It was Pat. I thought you said you'd stay put at my cabin.
4: Oh, Forgive me, Randy. I just couldn't. I got so nervous there all by myself. Come in, won't you? Oh, Francine, this is the man who rescued me, Randy Stone. Uh Oh? This is Francine Moore, my very best friend.
1: How many best friends can a girl have?
8: Oh, I'm so grateful for what you've done, Mr. Stone. Pat's my dearest little old friend, and if anything had happened to her... Well,
1: everybody else thinks something has happened to her.
4: What do you mean?
1: But when you hiked up the road, didn't you notice the crowd by the creek? The
4: creek? No.
1: Well, they're dragging it for your body.
4: My... Oh, no.
1: Oh, yes. How could you miss seeing it?
4: I didn't come over the road. I cut through the meadow. I didn't want anyone to see me all wet. Oh. Well, what are they... I mean, what makes them think that Pat is in the... the... police.
8: No, no,
1: not me, baby. They were already looking for you. When I came by, everybody thinks you jumped in.
4: Jumped in? Yeah. Pat, you... You didn't. Of course not. I told you
8: how it happened. I was pushed. Oh, Mr. Stone, did anyone see her? How would they know?
1: Well, Grace Rainey says she saw her.
8: Oh, Grace. You mean she says she actually saw me jump in?
1: She seems to think she didn't.
8: Pat, Pat, darling, couldn't you have just slipped
4: and fallen? No, perhaps they... I tell you, I was pushed. I didn't just imagine it, Francine. Why do you look at me that way? Someone did push me deliberately.
8: Oh, now, darling, why don't you go to bed now? And in the morning, I'm sure we'll all have a more sensible outlook on everything. Listen,
4: I'll fix you a cup of hot chocolate.
8: Go on, dear, go to bed.
4: Oh, Francine, you're a love. Good night, Randy. You've been wonderful. Thanks so much for
1: everything. Yeah, send me a medal. Good night, baby.
4: Poor dear, Pat.
1: What does that mean? What? The way you said that.
8: Oh, come into the kitchen. Oh, the poor darling has been under an awfully severe nervous strain the past month or two.
1: Hmm. Did you know that Ed's here, too? No. Yeah, the Don Juan husband of hers, Marge, was talking to him.
8: Here? At Paradise Lake? Yeah. Well, why would he come here?
1: Well, he probably heard it was open season on Danes.
8: Oh, no. Now, seriously.
1: Well, Pat seems to think it might be on account of Marge.
8: That's strange. Oh, uh, would you like some hot chocolate?
1: No, thank you. No, thank you. I I better be on my way now that Pat's in good hands. Nice to meet you, Francine.
8: See you again sometime, I hope. Well,
1: you never can tell. Good night.
8: Goodbye, Randy, and thanks again.
1: I went back to my car. I got in, I lit a cigarette. I sat there for a while wondering... Where Ed Torrance had been when Pat was pushed into the creek. There were a lot of things I began to wonder about, Ed. What kind of vitamins did a guy have to eat to get into his league? I was about to turn on my lights and start back to the inn to find him when I saw the dim figure of a girl stealing around from the back of the cabin. It was Pat. I opened the car door quietly. The dim figure halted suddenly, tense and looking my way. I couldn't see her face, but there was something about her that was different. No, it wasn't Pat. It was someone else. I jumped out, and as I did, the girl fled toward the trees, a filmy scarf streaming behind her. Wait! I ran across the road as she disappeared. I started running down the road after her, but she crossed it and disappeared into a grove bordering the in. I thought I saw her go up the veranda of Paradise Inn, and I bounded after her. There was no one around except a couple of elderly dowagers in rocking chairs. They stopped rocking when they saw me, and I asked them, "Uh, did a girl just come in?
7: A girl? Which girl, young man?
1: Uh, A girl. Any girl.
7: Not very particular, are
1: you? Oh, never mind. And just then, over the side railing, hurrying up the garage driveway, I saw her. I turned and ran down the steps. It was just a glimpse, the lights from the inn glinting on her reddish-brown hair as she hurried past, heading for the guest cottages and back. Hey, wait. Wait a minute. Yes? What? Marge, it was you.
5: Why, Randy, Whom did you think
1: it was? Didn't you just come from behind Pat's cabin?
5: Whatever are you talking about? What would I be doing there?
1: I'm, I'm sorry. I, I thought I saw you. Well, uh, never mind.
5: What's the matter?
1: You seen Ed tonight?
5: Ed? Yeah. Why, no. Why do you ask?
1: Well, I just wondered why he came here today.
5: Well, he... He must have found out Pat had come here, I suppose.
1: He phoned you, you said.
5: Well, yes. Why are you asking all these questions?
1: <laughs> I'm a reporter, remember, dear?
5: Um, Grace is fixing some coffee at the cottage we're sharing here and back. Why not join us before you go?
1: I wouldn't miss it. This way. So you're bunking with Grace?
5: Yes, The inn's so crowded I had to move in with her in one of the guest cottages... The one right over there, with the lights on.
1: Oh, yes, let's see. Looks like she forgot to draw the blinds.
5: Yes, and the window's wide open. I hope she isn't... Uncovered. Well,
1: it's a warm night. Looks like she's curled up in that easy chair for the evening. She and that telephone.
5: That woman. She simply monotonizes the telephone. Right around this way, Randy.
1: But, mm-hmm.
6: why do you have to leave without Lee's telling? Wait. At least What's the, the matter? Telling?
3: Quiet.
1: Marge put her fingers on my lips, and we stood there by the cottage door motionless. Grace Rainey's voice came through the open window clearly, and with every word, Margaret Mason grew more tense and strained, and her eyes more stormy. This Ed again, this Superman.
6: Yes, I know, dear. My daughter, was a bit stuffy. I can imagine how surprised you were when you called the cottage and she answered on the phone. Why, of all the. Steady, Before steady, steady. Yes, I know, darling. Francine's here, too, but what of that? All oh, that's water in the creek, you might say. There's nothing to stop us from getting married. Married? No, dear. But they haven't found the body. But Pat's daddy. How do I know? Well, you see, darling, I saw a push in Yes, that's right. Pushed. She did it. <laughs> well, let's face it, darling, we both wanted a dead. So, no, wishes, wish is granted. we free to marry. Free, is she?
5: So, you're free, are you? Mort. Not for long you won't be, you two-timing, double-crossing she Judith.
1: Easy, easy, easy. You'll
5: be in jail within 24 hours for murder. Yes, again, dearie. You see,
1: I know who killed Pat Torrance.
6: Oh, my goodness.
8: What's all the commotion?
1: Francine. Francine Moore, little Miss Dixie, stood in the doorway that opened on the little back porch. When I saw her standing there, a long silk scarf trailing over one shoulder, I knew at once it had been she who'd come from around back of the cabin hoping not to be seen.
6: What are you... What are you doing
8: here, Francine? Oh, I thought I'd drop in to straighten out a few little things for both of you, you and Marge. Francine, what do you mean? If you thought Ed had any intention of marrying either of you, I'm terribly sorry. Because you're wrong. What? Ed and I are being married as soon as his divorce is final.
1: Oh, you are, are you?
6: Yes, Grace, we are.
1: Well, congratulations. How many of you is he marrying?
6: I'd say those congrats if I were you, Randy. Because she isn't marrying anybody. Little Miss Moore is going to the electric chair for murder.
1: Grace. Now, wait a minute.
6: I saw Francine push Pat in the creek.
8: Oh, How very
4: amusing.
8: So I murdered Pat. Well, do you know where she is? At our cabin, asleep in her own bed. How long do you think that story will stand up? Ask Randy.
1: Uh, I left Pat at their cabin, all right, just a few minutes ago. So,
8: she's got you to lie for her, has she? Well, I shouldn't have left Pat alone, Randy. She's not, well, no telling what she's liable to do, but, but I felt I owed it to these ladies to set their minds at rest if they have any minds
6: left. You're not getting away with it, Francine. I'm going to the police right now. Come back here. Great Come back,
8: I'm Francine, you. Francine,
1: drop that gun.
8: Let go. Take your hands
1: off Drop it. Do I have to break your arm? Oh, stop it. So me. you came here to find out how much Grace really knew. Now you know the game's up. Killing won't do you any good. You're finished. You're through. Oh,
3: stop it. All right, drop it. Stop.
1: The gun exploded as it hit the floor. Francine's soulful brown eyes widened in an instant of horror, and then suddenly she slumped. And I know that little Francine had caught one of her own bullets. Marge and I bent over her.
8: Randy. Randy, is she... Should...
5: Get on the phone oh. quick.
1: Get a doctor. Oh.
8: Yes, yes. Francine.
1: Oh. Francine, do you hear me?
8: Randy. Go, Go, Go to the Marge. cabin. Right in the Pat. Bring a doctor over here quick, Pat?
1: Pat? What about Pat, Francine? Is she all right? Pat
8: mustn't... mustn't drink the hot chocolate. Poison?
1: Poison. <laughs> I didn't bother with the car, but covered the hundred plus yards between the inn and Pat's cabin in an unofficial world speed record. I yanked open the cabin door, rushed through the room, and into Pat's bedroom. Randy, get out! Oh, I'm sorry, honey. I came for some hot chocolate. Did you drink any? Hot
4: chocolate? Have you gone crazy? Of course not. Can't you see I've just come out of the tub? Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I didn't mean. Uh, I'll wait outside. Uh, get your clothes on, beautiful. You're having more company. What? Who? Oh. Well, the sheriff. She'll want some of that hot chocolate, too, so don't touch it until she gets here. You understand? Well, it's 4 a.m. in Chicago again, and tonight's story is full of women as a sultan's harem. As the French say, <laughs> sure, Shayla LaDame's. And on this trip, I found plenty of them, with a moral to go with each one. For Marge, hell hath no fury like a woman tripped up trying to skip with another woman's husband. And for Gracie, gentlemen prefer blondes. On the theory, no doubt that where there's light, there must be heat. For little Francine, well, she tried to take life cheerfully. The life, that is, of anyone who stood in her way. And as for Pat, well, you don't need any moral for her. A girl with a map like she has can usually find somebody to read it. <laughs> yep. Copy, boy.
2: Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced and directed by Warren Lewis and edited by Larry Marcus. Tonight's story was written by Irvin Ashkenazi with music by Frank Worth. In tonight's cast were Barbara Fuller, Rose Hobart... Shirley Mitchell, Eileen Prince, and Martha Wentworth. Frank Lovejoy will next be seen in Milton Sperling's production Three Secrets, released by Warner Brothers. Listen next week at this time and every week as Randy Stone searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. Beat came to you from Hollywood. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Now, stay tuned for Brian Donlevy as a soldier of fortune on dangerous assignment on NBC. Mm-hmm.
0: someone whose cases are constantly in the city. The idea of having an all-women guest cast was something that Philip Marlowe also tried, actually earlier on in 1950. I do actually prefer that episode, just because it did more with the uh, actresses and gave them even stronger roles than they would normally have. Here, though, they're not really given much of a chance to... Stand out. Still, I thought the mystery was interesting, if nothing else. So, overall, uh, this story was okay, though I think it's one of the weaker Not Beat episodes I've heard. All right, well, listener comments and feedback, and we start with Bob, who writes in Bob sends in an email on Not Beat, writing, Not Beat has become one of my favorites, but here's something I didn't realize Not Beat had an Australian version. That ran for 11 years in 442 episodes. What a surprise! Uh, thanks so much for the email, Bob. And this comes from uh, Honolulu. And uh, I was aware that *Not Beat* had uh, done an Australian version. I was not aware of how many episodes they'd done. Certainly, that would require new scripts that were not heard uh, in America even originally in order to fill up uh, that much time, since there were only about a 100-odd episodes of The U.S. Show. So, thanks so much for the comment, Bob. Definitely appreciate it. Alright, that will be it for today. Join us tomorrow as we get into The Lone Wolf. And then, uh, next Monday, join us back here for another episode of Nightbeat. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives and check out our YouTube archive, youtube.greatdetectives.net. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.